It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you today on this Easter Sunday, if you're listening live here on 92.7 WOBM? Happy Easter, Paul. How are you? Doing good, Lou. Uh, Unfortunately, we have to be here Easter Sunday at 7 a.m. Instead of being home, sleeping, dreaming of Easter eggs and peeps. Oh, the lovely peeps. Do you like peeps? No. Neither do I. <laughs> They're Dude, disgusting. People, listen to me. Do not put a peep in your body. <laughs> Those are the most disgusting things ever. And I remember being two years old, the peeps were around. I guess they were even around longer than that. Uh, do not eat them. Do not eat the peeps, people. You can eat the hard-boiled eggs. You can eat the, 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 the Hershey Kisses. You can eat the chocolate rabbit ears. Don't eat the peeps. Best advice I'm going to give today on this radio show. And we talk about a lot of things, and we're going to talk about peeps today. <laughs> so, anyway, I hate peeps. Um, and uh, in, every, in every Easter basket, there's a peep in it. <laughs> I didn't plan on talking about peeps. I don't know why that came about. <laughs> but, but if you're listening live, uh, happy Easter to you. Here on the Jersey Shore, it's 32 degrees on the way in uh, on April uh, 9th. Uh, 2023. So uh, it's it's a cold Easter uh, here on the Jersey Shore. But no matter when you're listening to the program, if you're listening to the podcast, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us for our two-hour program. If you're listening live and uh, you want to chime in on the program, 732-237-9626 is the call number. So it's Easter, and I'm trying to figure out how I could do a radio show that's not doom and gloom is negative and whatnot but how do we do it i mean you know it's not like we woke up this morning and we lived in a different world uh no we live in a topsy-turvy world and every week is just getting crazier and crazier and boy as this year progresses you have no idea what's ahead of you uh i we'll talk we'll touch on it as as the show goes on but i'm not optimistic and uh how could you be how could you be and, uh, you know, this is uh, one more week left in, in income tax season. And uh, income tax season is very interesting for me because I see hundreds of people. I, I do 300 and plus income taxes. So I see my clients during tax season. And it's always interesting because I get a pulse of how people are thinking, what they're feeling, what their concerns are. And in 40 years in financial services, I've never seen people so concerned, so bewildered, so fearful. I guess fearful is a word that, that really sticks with me. And and I don't bring it up. I, I try to wait for them to bring it up. And, and, and they bring it up in the first five minutes. You know, Lou, what's going on? You know, what's going on with this world? Uh, you know, uh, inflation, uh, this administration. I met 300 people. I didn't see one person that don't think... Joe Biden is totally incompetent 
and shouldn't be running the country. Not one. Uh, but, you know, he got the most votes in history. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, and he's considering running again. I don't think he's going to run. Paul, you think he's going to run again? Do you think he's going to make it the the 2024? You think he's going to run? I think they'll try to push him out there, but... No, uh, I think they're going to try to push him out. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, definitely not cutting it. Oh, how about this? Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, threw his hat in the ring. I actually like him. You know, he's not your left-wing, woke, tarred Democrat right now. I mean, the Democratic Party is just... Not what it used to be. We'll talk about that later on in the program. But yeah, it's uh, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet. I I I I'd bet a thousand dollars with somebody that Biden will not be the nominee, and uh, Kamala Harris will be nowhere near the ticket. Uh, so who would it be? I don't know. I don't know. But it's not going to be Biden. <laughs> if if it is Biden, and he wins then our country's done. I mean, there is no electoral system that works anymore in the country. Anyway, I'm jumping into the second hour, so let's 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 slow it down. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's take our time. We've got two hours here, as we always do, on the financial position. Now, the last uh, few weeks, I've been uh, going over historical inflation. Uh, those inflations that uh, everybody's heard about or most people have heard about. Uh, and and the reason why I talk about these inflations each week, and we're going to have a couple more weeks of this, uh, is so you can make parallels to what's happening today. And they say, uh, you know, history may not repeat itself, but it rhymes. And as I said in the previous shows, when I talk about this, human nature doesn't change. Economic uh, uh, laws do not change, right? So when humans act in a certain way, the results are pretty much going to be the same every time. Maybe not exactly, but uh, pretty much it's going to it's going to end the same way. Now, the first two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the decline of the Roman Empire and how it was due to inflation. And debasement of the currency. Now, inflation is always a result of debasement of the currency. All right? That's what happens first. And then you have inflation. And uh, inflation is caused by, uh, it's the same pattern. Countries uh, um, start deficit spending. Now, now most, let's talk empires as opposed to countries. You know, let's talk about, you know, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, the American Empire. You know, it always starts where this, this, the, that country, that empire uh, uh, becomes very profitable. They have surpluses. Uh, they have natural resources. Uh, they have a strong military, and they usually become imperialistic, like Rome did, biggest imperialistic society, I guess, and then British Empire, and then the American Empire. I mean, are we imperialists uh, like they are? Well... We have bases all around the world, and we influence countries. We influence elections. We control the currency, or at least the the world reserve currency today, which is slowly being chipped away at. We'll talk about that. But they become super profitable. They have surpluses. Their economy uh, is doing real well. The people are prosperous. They buy homes. You have a a significant uh, healthy middle class. 
And that goes on for some time, for decades. And then all of a sudden what happens is the country starts deficit spending. They start giving the people more of free stuff. Now, this could be something as simple as Social Security, you know, like retirement. Uh, and I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying this is how we get there. Uh, we start spending more on social programs. We give people more stuff. In Roman times, it was circuses and the Colosseum and, and, and chariot races and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and here, it's it, it, it's welfare. It's 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 um, uh, it, it's Social Security. It's Medicare. It's Medicaid. It's it, it's free healthcare. It's free this and that and stimulus and everything else. So a country naturally goes that route. Finally, a pe- people realize that. Uh, through their representatives that they they elect, that they could raid the treasury of the company, the country. They could say we want more, and it's politically good to be able to provide your people with more free stuff. And, and as, as as politicians start to do that, uh, the country goes into deficit spending, which is okay in the beginning. I mean, nothing wrong with you know borrowing a little money to keep the uh, the people happy, but what happens is that starts to grow. And then you have debt service. Now, like any one of us, you know, in our family, we start borrowing money on our credit card. You know, it starts putting pressure on our finances. Uh, and that's true of countries when they start deficit spending. So what they do is they go into the, the financial markets, the bond market, and they, and they borrow money. They issue, in our case, treasury bonds. And initially, countries around the world want those bonds because they have a lot of Dollars because they have uh, trade with the United States. They have to use dollars because dollars are the world reserve currency. And when they have dollars, they have to have dollar-denominated assets. And in many cases, that's treasury bills, treasury notes, treasury bonds. People ask me, what's the difference? Well, a treasury bill is usually, it's a year or less maturity. That's a bill. Uh, a note is from one year to 10 years. And a bond is between 10 years and 30 years. That's the difference between the three. At the end of the day, they're all debt. makes no difference. It's debt, however you want to look at it, uh, of the United States government. And the United States government debt has gone parabolic, which always happens at the end of an empire. And that's where we are now. We're at the beginning of a major inflationary spike, a major currency collapse. Now, that could take years or it could take days. And that's like the trillion dollar question, right? You know, like, you know, it's inevitable that hyperinflation and currency collapse comes to America. There's no question. At least in my mind and um, most uh uh, most smart people I know that that, that know history, it, it, it's, it's inevitable. Is it 50 years from now? Or is it 50 days from now? That That's the key. We don't know that. But as you learn from me talking about, you know, uh, these historic inflations, they can happen very quickly. And it comes down to confidence. Now, we have a lot of billionaires in the world. I think last we we, we we mentioned there's something like 460 billionaires in the world, which kind of is mind-blowing to me. I didn't know there was that many billionaires. Uh, to be a billionaire, again, we talk numbers, and I, I love talking about real numbers because these numbers just gloss over people. 
uh, if you're a billionaire, you have a thousand million at least. Now, most of us would love to be a millionaire and just have a million dollar net worth. Well, a billionaire has a thousand times that. And of course, many billionaires have more than a billion dollars. I mean, what does Zuckerberg have? 150 billion, something like that. Well, who's going to be the first trillionaire? You know, ultimately, someone's going to be a trillionaire. Is it going to be Bill Gates? Warren Buffett? I don't know if he's going to live long enough to become a trillionaire. Probably not. Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk? One of these guys ultimately is going to be a trillionaire. May not be a good thing, though. They're late to the party, though. Ten years ago, in Zimbabwe, there was millions of trillionaires. <laughs> they had a trillion Zimbabwe dollars, uh, many of them, and they were poor as could be. So I don't know if you want to be a trillionaire. Uh, and uh, Zimbabwe was one of the historic inflations uh, that we've seen, certainly in the modern times. But I think Zimbabwe is ranked second historically as the worst inflations in history and the most recent hyperinflations in history. Um, The first one being the one we're going to talk about next week, the worst inflation in history. Now, last week I talked about the Weimar Republic in Germany in the early 20s after World War I. That was a pretty damn bad inflation. Uh, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who's worse because it's all bad. Either way, you're poor, you're starving, and there's no money. Or money doesn't buy anything. There's plenty of money. But it takes plenty of money to buy the simplest things in life. But uh, the Weimar Republic wasn't the worst inflation in history, nor was Zimbabwe. It was actually Hungary in the 1940s. And we're going to talk about that next week. And then uh, the following week, we'll probably wrap up with some other inflations, uh, Argentina and Venezuela. And, uh, and the reason I'm talking inflation is because now, for the first time in 40 years, inflation is an issue here in the United States. And it's mild inflation. I mean, 7 8% inflation, boy, it sounds pretty damn good compared to the inflations we're talking about historically. But that's the beginning. You start slow, and then it accelerates. So let's go back 10 years ago, uh, right around, uh, you know, the 2000s. Uh, let's talk about uh, Zimbabwe's history. Zimbabwe is a beautiful country. Uh, it's in Africa, of course. Uh, it has the, the, the highest waterfalls in Victoria Falls. Beautiful. You know, Google Victoria Falls uh, in Zimbabwe. Beautiful. It has, you know, lions and elephants and, you know, beautiful plains and, and so forth. And historically, uh, Zimbabwe was a British colony. There's those imperialists again, those, those empires that take over. Uh, and the British Empire was, could, could rival, the, I guess, the Roman Empire uh, back in the day. You know, what do they say? The sun never set on the British Empire. From India uh, to 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 Africa to to all of Europe, uh, the British Empire was um, was a great empire, and like all empires, they die, um, and and it did die. Uh, but uh, Zimbabwe was a British um, uh, colony, and uh, the white people there were minorities, but controlled the entire country, including its farming and everything else, and its mining and and everything else. Well, there was a 
a revolution of some sort or as the British Empire was declining. Uh, in 1980, Zimbabwe uh, gained its independence from Great Britain. And Robert Mugabe became the dictator, the head of the country. And as most dictators do, uh, uh, he started consolidating his power. He started uh, eliminating uh, dissidents. Many people were killed. Uh, and he restricted elections. You know, one election, <laughs> he, mis- he, he, he spoke out of line and said his opponent got 73% of the vote. And he was still <laughs> won the election. So, oh, that sounds familiar to us. <laughs> Everything repeats. It's nothing new under the sun, people. Uh, things are, are are quite quite repetitive in, in history. Uh, so what he did then is he expropriated the land from the white people who owned all the farms in the country. Now, Zimbabwe was a big farming country. They were big farmers of corn and tobacco, and that's how they got a lot of their 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 income. Their currency was from selling and exporting uh, tobacco and, and and corn and other things that they grew. So what Mugabe did, he said, "Look, you know, all these white people came here and uh, took over our country, took over our land. I want to give the farms back to our people." Well, it doesn't sound like anything unreasonable. I mean, you know, give it to them. There was only one problem with that. They didn't know how to farm. (laughs) They didn't know how to farm. They couldn't acquire farming equipment and they had no, they were lazy. They don't have to do it. So here, here's a farm. He was giving all these farms to his, uh, and all this land to his cronies, uh, as dictators do. Right. Uh, and, uh, the corruption was out out of control. And all of a sudden they started farming 10% of what they used to farm. You don't give a farm to someone who's not a farmer. <laughs> and if you're a farmer out there listening to me, you know how hard it is uh, and, and how scientific it is uh, to be successful as a farmer in good times, let alone when the weather and drought and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about food shortages a little bit. Uh, but they didn't know how to farm. So the economy started to collapse. Foreign investment in the country disappeared. They didn't have any... Um, foreign currency, and uh, things started to collapse. Food production dropped, so there was there was shortages of everything in the country. And uh, they started having to import foods. And the price of everything started to rise as living standards started to decrease. Uh, you know, it's not hard to figure this stuff out, how this would happen, right? So what happened was uh, the price of all imported goods started to go up a lot, and they had to import a lot of stuff. And then uh, the country got involved in the Second Cong- Con- Congo War. Paul, did you ever hear of the Congo Wars? A little bit. It, you know, in the 19- 1990s, right? I didn't really hear about the great Congo uh, Congo War, the second one. I didn't hear about the first one. Do you know five million people died in the Congo War? Five million. I mean, how could five million human beings die in the 1990s? And I never heard about it. It just goes to show you how news works, right? Uh, if it doesn't affect you, you don't hear about it, right? Five million people. So uh, Zimbabwe was involved in that war. And, of course, it took a lot of money to fight it. 
And what happened was the government began printing money, which is what governments do when they start running out of money. Let's just create more. And in 2001, the inflation rate in Zimbabwe was 112%. All right. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're concerned about inflation here at right, well, 6% right now, right? We're trying to get it down to 2 So when you have 112% inflation, you have poverty. So the Zimbabwe dollar continued to drop. And what did the government do? They kept printing more. By 2006, inflation was 1,281%. So basically every month, prices were going up 10%. But it gets worse, as it always does with inflation, right? All these stories end the same, right? Uh, Well, things started getting really bad, and um, the price of everything soared through the roof. Uh, It cost a billion Zimbabwe dollars to buy a loaf of bread. And, you know, wages went up to a billion dollars a year. Um, Be nice to earn a billion dollars a year, wouldn't it, Paul? Not if a billion dollars buys a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it was worth something. <laughs> right, if it was worth something. So prices then started going up a trillion percent. So they started issuing more and more paper Zimbabwe dollars. Uh, finally, they came out with a billion-dollar note. And then they came out with a $100 trillion note, the famous $100 trillion note uh, that was worth about 40 cents. <laughs> so you see, uh, when confidence in a currency uh, drops, it drops to nothing, and it drops pretty quickly. Now, this happened over a couple of years, um, but it could happen over a couple of months. Um, uh, so people uh, stopped working. What do you want to work? You know, I'm going to go to work to, to make money that doesn't even pay for a loaf of bread? Right? I might as well scavenge for food or barter and everything else with my time than go to work and get paid worthless money. So tax revenue stopped. Nobody was working. The economy imploded. And um, obviously there were shortages of everything. In 2008... They had to use scientific notation to figure out what the inflation rate was. And I don't know what how much this means, but it was 20,345 to the 10th power. Do the math quickly, Paul. Tell me how much is that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of inflation. Uh, there was actually a paper shortage. They, they couldn't print money enough. So they just kept, kept putting zeros on the currency. And it was a pretty scary time for the people in Zimbabwe. And they all became destitute, basically. And the only way they survived is uh, Zimbabwe is a Christian nation, devout Christian nation. And, uh, and they helped each other. They, they did everything they could to take care of their neighbor. On this Easter Sunday, love thy neighbor as yourself, right? You know, so uh, being good Christians, they did everything they could to help each other. Would that happen here in the United States under that scenario? No, I think it's every man for himself. You touch my food, I'm going to shoot you in the head. Um, so what did uh, Mugabe do? He outlawed inflation. It's pretty simple. It's illegal. You can't raise prices on anything. 
So we made it illegal uh, to raise prices, and, and, and this is what countries do. We actually did it here in the United States in the late 70s. We did a price freeze and wage freeze. You can't give anybody a raise, and you can't raise the price on anything. So what happens when you do that? Well, producers start losing money, and stores start losing money on anything they sell, so they stop producing, they stop selling it, and then you have nothing. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to buy. So that never works. And he, and he had a uh, he had to abandon that strategy shortly thereafter. So in 2009, they started allowing foreign currency. U.S. dollars started to be imported into the country in a black market. People just shunned the Zimbabwe dollar, and uh, the U.S. dollar replaced it and uh, made its way into the economy of Zimbabwe. And people started to go back to work. Uh, the government officially made the U.S. dollar their currency. And and that's still true today, I believe. Uh, the U.S. dollar is the currency of Zimbabwe. And, uh, again, people went back to work. The economy started to recover. And, um, and uh, people started embracing the U.S. dollar as their currency. But what happens when the U.S. dollar becomes like the Zimbabwe dollar. And, and, and that's the issue. If you want to read about this in depth, there's there's a book out, a really good book called When Money Destroys Nations, How Hyperinflation Ruins Zimbabwe, How Ordinary People Survived, and Warnings for the Nations That Print Money. And this is written by Peter Haslam and Russell Lamberti. You can go on Amazon and get it. Uh, it's $7.99 for Kindle, $11.99 for the paperback. You know, if you want to learn about inflations and you want to learn about how to protect yourself in the coming inflation or hyperinflation that the United States is going to experience. Now, I didn't say may experience. is going to experience. It's just a matter of the time. I, this is, this is, this is uh, in concrete. This is going to happen. Just a matter of when it's going to happen. And the way things are going um, and the policies that our government and the central bank is taking, it's going to happen probably sooner than later. And in this book, it says the collapse of Zimbabwe dollar in 2009 after years of rampant money printing is a frightening example of what lies in store for countries that resort to printing money to pay national debts, bail out banks and oligarchs and enrich political elites. That's not happening here. Just the last two weeks, we printed a half a trillion dollars to bail out banks. There it is, right there. This 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 book was written in uh, 2015. When money destroys nations, tells the gripping story of the disintegration of the once thriving Zimbabwean economy and the inspiring and tragic accounts of how ordinary people survived in turbulent circumstances. Countries around the world are resorting to money printing with their stimulus packages and quantitative easing. Now, he mentioned stimulus packages 2015. Well, we didn't start the stimulus packages until COVID, right? In 2020. So he was pretty prescient. It holds lessons for all countries and for all political leaders tempted to take illusory and perilous shortcuts to prosperity. 
Zimbabwe's lessons must not be ignored. Now, I told you last week when we were talking about the Weimar Republic inflation, uh, When Money Dies is the book that you want to read about that. Really incredible books. And, uh, and, and we're starting to hear now the term de-dollarization. Have you heard that term, Paul, being said a lot lately? You know, most of us never heard that term until probably a month ago or two months ago. It's something that's relatively new in the lexicon, American lexicon. You're hearing de-dollarization. And I can't believe how much I'm hearing that term on financial news and articles I'm reading. And uh, it's just every day this word de-dollarization keeps coming up. What does it mean? It means countries moving away from the U.S. dollar for trade, for oil trading, uh, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's accelerating at a, at a very rapid rate. And why is that important? The reason why we haven't had the collapse of the dollar or the hyperinflation that these countries have is because the world needs dollars, or at least did need dollars, to affect trade. And it goes back to the petrodollar uh, that was established in the uh, early 1970s when we went to Saudi Arabia and said, you know, we'll protect you. We will give you all military equipment or at least sell it to you. And we will be your ally and protect you against Iran uh, and any other country that would, would come after your oil. All you got to do for us is only trade your oil in U.S. dollars, which the Saudis were more than happy to do especially in the 1970s when there was really no alternative than the U.S. dollar. Uh, and the petrodollar was born. Well, something very interesting happened two years ago. And again, this stuff is underreported. You, you would have heard it on this program if you were listening in August of 2021. And I told you the importance of it. And that is when Saudi Arabia signed a military pact with Russia. I said, this is earth shattering. This is world changing. Why? Because no longer now does the Saudi Arabians need the United States for their safety and no longer need to be compelled to use U.S. dollars in the trading of oil. And sure enough, who are they cozying up to now? Who's the Saudis cozying up to? The Russians and the Chinese. And they're saying now that they're going to start trading. It was on, in Davos a couple of months ago where the, 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 the Saudi minister came out and said, we're looking forward to trading our oil in other than U.S. dollars in local currencies, which is a death knell to the dollar. And sure enough, country after country now is coming out and saying that they're, they're going to use their own currencies. Why? Because they see that the U.S. dollar could be used as a weapon. Just like we used it as a weapon against Russia recently when we basically absconded with $300 billion of, of Russia's foreign reserves. And we, we kicked them out of the SWIFT international wire transfer system. And other countries that, that have dollar reserves are saying, wait a second, if we piss off the United States, they're going to do that to us. Why would we want to hold our reserves in U.S. dollars when we see that the United States will, will abscond them or make them useless to us where we can't transact trade through the SWIFT system. And de-dollarization has begun. So the week before last, last week I mentioned it to you that China and Brazil reached an agreement to settle trades in each other's currencies. 
That's a big deal. Why? Because Brazil is the number one economy in, in South America. Their trade with China uh, is $150 billion a year. And now they're going to trade in their own currencies, which means that the dollar is no longer necessary. And where are those dollars going to go? Back here. They're going to sell off their, their reserves, their treasury bonds, and everything else, and that money comes back here, and that money causes inflation. And uh, we mentioned also, and we're going to be talking about this a lot, the BRICS countries, how these countries are now all joining uh, with Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Those are the original BRICS countries, but now you have other countries joining it. Iran, Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, uh, all the stand countries. Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, and now you have even Mexico make an application to the BRICS, which is just earth-shattering. This is like one of our number one trading partners, Mexico, and they're basically giving the finger to the U.S. dollar. And uh, Paul was talking about it before the show. He says, you know, next we're going to want to make war with Mexico over the drug trafficking. It's not going to be over drug trafficking. He said it's going to be over leaving the U.S. dollar. Now, uh, Marco Rubio, another warmongering Republican, um, he was on um, Sean Hannity's show. You know, I've lost a lot of respect for Sean Hannity. I, I used to like Sean Hannity. I used to listen to his radio show every day. I don't listen to it in years. I don't watch his show. Um, once he was uh, behind the vaccine and all that stuff, he flipped. Uh, I lost respect for him. He's just now a propagandist like everybody else on TV. He's a rhino. He's one of those. Um, he was a big supporter of Donald Trump. Now it seems that he's walking away from it. Anyway, he had Marco Rubio on his show, and, and Marco Rubio was talking about uh, Brazil and China trading in their own currencies, and he said, and he spoke the unspoken. He basically said that, how can we sanction countries in the future if they don't use the dollar anymore? We have no power. That the dollar is what makes us a superpower. In our hemisphere, largest country in the Western Hemisphere south of us, Cut a trade deal with China. They're going to, from now on, do trade in their own currencies, get right around the dollar. They're creating a, a secondary economy in the world, totally independent of the United States. We won't have to talk about sanctions in five years because there'll be so many countries transacting in currencies other than the dollar that, that we won't have the ability to sanction them. As, as we are sitting here, you know, focused on some of these nuttiness that's going on, people that are basically dedicating their lives in this country to ensuring that it is legal to mutilate children, to do drag shows in schools, they, they dedicate their lives to this, and we have a, 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 a another superpower that basically wants to become the world's dominant power at our expense, and these people don't want to focus on it. They're, you know, we had a, some person on The View yesterday say that our criminal justice system is no better than what China is doing with its genocide of Uyghur Muslims. So we better wake up or we're going to live in a very different world than the one we've been used to. And it's going to happen very So he's basically saying that, you know, this is what's happening. The dollar now is becoming less and less uh, of a world reserve currency. And without the dollar's hegemony, 
meaning it's it's overwhelming use worldwide, uh, that uh, we lose our power. And he's absolutely right. You know, when you you start losing the value of your currency, you lose the ability to project military might around the world. And uh, and, and and that's what's happening. And, and we're hearing more and more about this every single week. And uh, if we don't do something about it, I mean, what are you going to do about it? We can't make other countries use our dollar, although we've gone to war over it uh, many times. Ask Iraq. You know, they were getting away from the dollar. Look what, look what happened. <laughs> Ask Saddam Hussein uh, what happened there. Or how about uh, Libya? Qaddafi, uh, you know, he was getting away from the dollar. Look what happened to him. So wars are fought over this. And and we'll see, you know, what wars we're going to get into just to defend the dollar. Now, this was an interesting development this week. Um, uh, three U.S. congressmen introduced uh, a sound money bill that would enable the Federal, uh, enable the Federal Reserve note, quote-unquote, dollar to regain stable footing for the first time in more than half a century. Reps Alex Mooney, Mooney. Republican from West Virginia, joined Reps Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar, both of Arizona. They introduced H.R. 2435, the Gold Standard Restoration Act, to facilitate the repegging of the volatile Federal Reserve note to a fixed weight of gold bullion. Upon passage of H.R. 2435, the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve are given 24 months to publicly disclose, disclose all gold holdings and gold transactions after which time the Federal Reserve note or dollar would be formally repegged to a fixed weight of gold at its then market price. Federal Reserve notes would become fully redeemable for an exchangeable uh, and exchangeable with gold at the new price. With the U.S. Treasury and its gold reserves backstopping Federal Reserve banks as guarantor. You think that's going to happen? Good luck with that one. <laughs> that is not going to happen. First of all, where is our gold? We have nobody seen our gold, uh, uh, and that's part of this uh, is um, an audit of the U.S. gold reserves. Nobody's seen the United States gold reserves in seventy years, something like that. Nobody has gone into Fort Knox and looked at where our gold is. Why would that be? Maybe because it's not there? So um, this bill would require full disclosure of all central bank and U.S. government gold holdings and gold-related financial transactions over the past six decades. A seemingly taboo subject surrounded by mystery and deception. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> there's no, I, there's no way in hell we're going back to a gold standard. It's impossible because you can't borrow money then that you don't have. You can't, you can't deficit spend. And when they say you know gold, uh, gold holdings and gold related financial transactions over the past six decades, when they say gold related financial transactions, they mean leases, swaps, you know, like. We could lend out our gold for a small interest rate. And what happens is that gold sold into the market. But it's owed to us. All right? 
Well, good luck with trying to get that gold back. Uh, not going to happen. Uh, and that's why Fort Knox is most likely empty. Because it's gone. It's been used to suppress the gold market. It's been used to hold it back because gold going up shows that the U.S. dollar is being debased. There's all kinds of conjecture about what's going on with our gold holdings. But uh, there's three people in Congress that, that, that believe sound money is, is probably the way to go. Uh, probably uh, uh, Ron Paul's son, Rand Paul, uh, probably agrees with it. Uh, but that's about it. Because when you have a gold standard, it means you need financial discipline in the country. And that's the last thing that politicians want. I mean, there's, there's a reason why we have 30, almost $32 trillion in debt. Um, it's because we don't have a gold standard. You know, since we, we came off the gold standard, you know, we've lost something like 70% of our purchasing power. Maybe it's more than that when Nick, Nick, uh, Nixon took us off the gold standard. So I don't see how you implement the gold standard, A, uh, when you don't have the gold to back the paper uh, and when you don't have the political will to, to, to issue austerity to the country. And uh, it's not going to happen. And, you know, if it did, uh, you know what the pain would be in this country? You want to talk about poverty and, and, and struggle and... Uh, Probably Social Security would be cut in half. Our defense budget would be cut substantially. Um, we'd have to have a balanced budget. It's almost impossible. And that's why it won't happen. It won't happen because we don't have the gold to back the money and we don't have the political will to do what's necessary. You know? It's like, you know, our credit cards are tapped out, honey. Um, you know, I want you to cut our grocery bill in half. Uh, only send in half the the mortgage, and let's keep uh, the lights out for uh, except for a couple hours at night. Let's just turn off the electricity. Is that going to happen here? I, I, certainly not. And that's why you know inflation and hyperinflation is is certain because of that. Uh, let's take a break. Seven three two two three seven nine six two six is the call number. My name's Luz Katigny. Listening. To the financial physician right here on 92.7 WOBM. Luce Katigna here, certified financial planner, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on 92.7 WOBM-FM. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. 
Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA, NSIPC, registered investment advisory services through 42 Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-680-721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or planning to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to move Advisory Group. The following is a paid program. The views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, you missed any of our program. It's Easter Sunday here. Uh, while we're doing a show live here on 92.7 WOBM, but if you're busy, you're going to church, you sleep late, whatever it is, you can listen to The Financial Physician anytime right at thefinancialphysician.com, the show's website where we have uh, the podcast over the program. It goes up right after the show is over, so you could um, listen to it uh, in its entirety or listen to it in pieces, uh, listen to it Wednesday night at midnight if you like, uh, whatever your schedule is, no reason to miss a minute of The Financial Physician, so no reason to get up late. A lot of people tell me, uh, especially even local people, are telling me they're having trouble getting the signal. You know, your show, you know, I just can't get it. It's it's scratchy. It's wobbly. I don't hear it. Anybody wants to listen live to the program, it's just it's just simple. Go to thefinancialphysician.com. At the top, I have a listen live tab, and you'll get the stream from the station. Uh, whether you're local or you're you're halfway around the world, uh, as long as you have an internet connection, uh, uh, you're able to listen to the show live from the stream from the station. And I have that link 
uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. But much easier, uh, nice, high-quality podcast we do. Uh, uh, and you can listen to that at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, you want to send me an email? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of suggestions of things that you want to talk about. Uh, digital currencies is the hot issue right now. Everybody's asking me questions about, what, what about this central bank digital currency? Uh, and uh, and, and I'm, I think I'm going to touch on that extensively in the next week or two. Uh, we'll do a, a whole segment on it. And it's pretty scary stuff. The more I learn about it, uh, uh, the more uh, I'm against it, and most people are. Um, but uh, you want me to cover something here on the program, let me know, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to do that. Uh, or if you have a personal issue, like, you know, Lou, I don't know what to do, what to do with my 401k. I'm scared. Uh, do I, should I take my money out of the bank? I have 400000 in Bank of America. I mean, uh, I'm more than happy to answer those questions for you. I'll at least give you my opinion. Uh, and if I could help somebody to protect themselves and their family, uh, obviously I want to do it. Um, so, uh, and if for some reason I don't respond, feel free to send it again. I, mean, I, I never ignore anybody uh, unless you're um, not nice to me. I have very thin skin, so, you know, if you say something negative to me, uh, I'm just going to delete you. I'm not going to say that. I mean, I, I certainly, I may even engage you. I may even educate you. Because chances are, if somebody disagrees with me, they're not educated. Because I know more than you do. Uh, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, there's some of you out there that just love to fact check me. Love to fact check me. Uh, you know, I always get a kick out of people who, who call me and say, Lou, you're wrong on this. Lou, you always do this. Uh, Lou, you're gloom and doom. You're more gloom and doom. And I, my, my response to them is, why do you listen? <laughs> Every single week, you're getting off on it. Obviously, um, uh, I don't know why you'd listen to somebody you disagree with. Um, but uh, anyway, those people are few and far between. I rarely get negative emails, and uh, and being the controversial person that I am on radio, I would think I would get more. I would think I would get more controversial phone calls on this program where people will take me on. But I think that they take me on at their own peril <laughs> because I have the facts. Uh, and, you know, it's inconvenient for a lot of people when the facts really kind of get in the way. Uh, but anyway, I digress. But I love your emails. Lou at the financial physician dot com. Uh, I, I mentioned it last week that a, a lot for some period there, like almost every email sent to me went into junk. Uh, and, uh, I was just looking for something else in junk and I found all these emails over the last three or four weeks that you people have sent me and I ignored and I feel terrible about that. So some of the emails were, were, were quite passionate about something and really needed help. Uh, and, and I missed you and I, I apologize for that. Just send me an email again, uh, at Lou at com. I, I think we fixed it and I'm, I'm going through my junk too, almost on a daily basis just to make sure that nobody goes there. Uh, and I'll be more than happy to respond to you. Or you can call me at my office. I, I'm more than happy to take phone calls from listeners, and I do every week. So if you have something you want to talk to me about, uh, feel free to give me a call. Now that tax season's over, too, uh, one more week anyway, uh, I certainly have more free time uh, to talk to you. So love your, love your emails, love your phone calls, um, and, and love the fact that you listen either live here on 92.7, 7 to 9 a.m. Sunday mornings, or... Um, Listen on the podcast. 
And, uh, you know, doing this on Sunday morning for 23 years. So this has been my Sunday mornings for 23 years. Uh, for many, many years on the AM side, jeez, uh, we started, Paul, what, 11 to 12, right? After Topic A for how many years uh, going back? Long time. Yeah, a long time. You were there at the beginning. Well, not necessarily the beginning, but you were there at close to the beginning. And you were the original, one of the original producers of the show. Uh, and you're back here again. Great to have you back, uh, and um, and and we've been here. We've been a staple on WOBM for for Sunday mornings. And for many of you, it's a tradition uh, to have your coffee or your breakfast uh, with me, and it's an honor for me to to be able to to do that with you. Uh, but many of you, you know, listen to me for the last I don't know seven or eight years before we went to the uh, uh, FM station nine to eleven, right in the middle of the morning. You didn't have to get up early. Uh, but now we're on 7 to 9. So many of you still listen to the podcast between 9 and 11. That's the time you're used to listening to it, and that's fine. I mean, there's no different than listening to it live. It's it's the same show. Uh, the only difference is you could zip through the breaks and listen to the show um, uh, the way you want to listen to it. So anyway, love all, all, you, all you listeners, whether you listen live or you listen on the podcast. And I tell you, I'm just so impressed with how many people listen to the podcast. It just grows each and every week. And and if you share the podcast, thank you. We talk about things on this program that's going to affect all of us, all everybody in our families. Uh, and it's important that you share this information because we talk about things on this show that nobody talks about. Uh, let's switch over to financial markets uh, this week. And, and I'm pretty blown away that the stock market <laughs> hasn't crashed, really. Or at least yet, uh, you know, with everything that's happened so far uh, in this short, you know, three three month period of 2023, what did we had? We have a bank crisis that hasn't gone away. It's just not being reported much about anymore. Uh, but we still have we're in the midst of a major bank run, especially for smaller banks and regional banks, uh, which maybe we'll touch on a little later. Uh, but um, uh we had that happen. We have the de-dollarization, uh, as we talked about before the break. Uh, we're seeing uh, the price of gold and silver uh, going up a lot, which is always a canary in a coal mine that something's wrong. And yet we see positive stock market. Now, is this a bear market rally after the terrible year we saw last year? Is this just a, a blip up before the big one comes? Well, I believe that is the case. But the last, uh, the past week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up uh, 1.91%. Uh, back to the green for the year, up 1%. Not a big deal, but the S&P 500 up 1.34% for the week, up 6.92% for the year. What a divergence. There's a big divergence here. I mean, the S&P 500 is up seven times the Dow. And and that that's highly unusual. Uh, the Nasdaq, a uh, little weaker compared to the other indexes, up only zero point six two percent. But for the year, the Nasdaq's up fifteen and a half percent. That would be a good year, let alone a good quarter. Uh, so, uh, but you know, you got to understand too that you know the Nasdaq was down thirty four percent last year. So you know, it's claw- clawed back half of its losses last year. And I truly do believe that this is a temporary. Bump. I think as the year progresses, and if it uh, unfolds the way I think it's going to unfold, um, with crisis after crisis uh, 
Uh, this is going to look like a great selling opportunity. So people are asking me, Lou, why has the stock market gone up? Well, how about the last few weeks of the Fed printing $500 billion, quantitative easing again, right? Well, let's look at last year, right? 20, uh, 2022, uh, we had quantitative tightening, right? The Fed raising interest rates aggressively, shrinking its balance sheet a little bit. Well, what happened to the stock market during that period, right? Had one of the worst years ever. And now the central bank has resorted to bailing out the banks through printing of, uh, of money. And we were talking about Zimbabwe, right, at the beginning of the show and the printing of money, right? That's what brings hyperinflation. Well, we're back to that again. Uh, the Federal Reserve is printing billions of dollars each week and flooding it into the financial system. Now, the question is, why does it have to do it? Well, because the whole thing's imploding. And that quantitative easing finds its way in the market. The quantitative easing is the heroin or the cocaine that's pushed the market to ridiculous valuations. And now they're at it again. You can see how the cause and effect works, right? The Fed prints money, you have asset inflation. And that's what we're seeing in the stock market, at least temporarily anyway. Ten-year uh, Treasury bond uh, yields 3.4%. It's been re- relatively steady the last few weeks, right around 3.5%. Mortgage rates still stubbornly high at 6.76%, really too high to uh, help the, the real estate market, which is suffering greatly right now. Uh, gold has maintained 2,000 an ounce, uh, 2,020 uh, per ounce right now for an ounce of gold. Uh, Silver is trading right around $25 an ounce, so we've seen a significant run-up this year in precious metals. That should continue. Uh, these even This isn't even really the right price. That's not the price of gold. price of gold is 2200 If you want to go buy a one-ounce American Eagle, it's going to cost you 2200 How about silver? You want to buy a one-ounce American Eagle silver coin, how about $39? But the spot price is 25 Bitcoin, there's a guy I see on the internet. He's pretty funny. Uh, Jay Bravo, I think his name is. He, he does a channel. He's a really crazy guy. He's got hair at six straight up. He calls Bitcoin Bitcoin. <laughs> he calls it Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Bitcoin um, was 27930 a Bitcoin. Uh, this week, uh, gasoline's kind of making its way higher again, 340 a gallon as we move towards the busy summer driving season. Oil up uh, $80.46 a barrel. Uh, looks like it's going higher this week. Uh, OPEC uh, and Saudi Arabia announced surprisingly to the world that it was cutting production. Another middle finger to the United States and the Biden administration. Uh, they're lowering production, of course, oil prices. I think a barrel of oil went up 4 or $5 last Monday when they announced that. Uh, and we're going to see higher um, prices. Uh, one thing I want to bring to your attention that I haven't been talking to you about, I'm going to quote it each and every week, is the U.S. dollar index. Why is that important? It shows the value of the U.S. dollar. And we're talking about de-dollarization. And what does that mean? If the, if the dollar starts losing its value in international markets, it's inflationary for all of us. The U.S. dollar index uh, today is 102, and uh, it was 115 last year at one point. 
Uh, so it's coming down. The value of the dollar. But what is the U.S. dollar index? It compares the U.S. dollar to a basket of foreign currencies. And a lot of these foreign currencies are, 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 are dog poop, too. So, I mean, it's not, you know, what are you comparing it against? And the euro makes up almost 58% of that basket. So, you know, you look at the euro-U.S. dollar exchange rate, and that's going to tell you a lot about the U.S. dollar index. Second is the yen at 13.6%. So the yen and the euro uh, make up about 70% of the index. Um, then you have the British pound for 12%, Canadian dollars 9%. Swedish krona, 4.2%, and the Swiss franc is 3.6%. So that's the dollar index. And a lot of times it's misleading because it's against other currencies that are all fiat currencies and junk. But you really want to look at the dollar versus hard assets like gold and silver. That's going to tell you really what's going on with the value of the dollar. All right, top of the hour, time for a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Sure. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of our two-hour program, The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life. My name is Lou Scatigna. I'm a certified financial planner, tax accountant, and your host each and every Sunday live right here on 92.7 WOBM or anytime at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. So if you're just tuning in, you missed our first hour where we talked about inflation. We talked about hyperinflation. We talked about Zimbabwe and what happened to them uh, not too long ago, you know, roughly 10, 15 years ago, uh, their economy entered hyperinflation. And we talked about the parallels of hyperinflations in the past and what's happening now here in the United States. And as I said in the first hour, hyperinflation is a certainty here in the United States. Lou, what do you mean a certainty? Well, it's absolutely going to happen. There's no question about it. It may have started now. Uh, it may be 15 years from now. But, you know, you can't reverse the track that we're on. The track that we're on is more and more debt. Nobody wants their debt. More and more money printing, which makes the value of the dollar go down. De-dollarization we talked about in the first hour. If you missed that, yeah, go to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Listen to it. It's on right after the show's over. Uh, we got a lot of things that are coming together all at the same time that makes inflation and hyperinflation, again, inevitable, but maybe sooner rather than later. Um, the dollar is, is slowly dying and, you know, things happen slowly and then it happens suddenly. And, you know, when you talk about currencies that, that don't have backing by gold or commodities or a thriving economy, uh, 
you know, it, it's, it's only confidence. And, you know, the money that you have in your pocket, the paper currency you have in your pocket is worthless. It's really worthless. It's just a piece of paper. It's only worth what somebody's willing to give you for that piece of paper. And sooner or later, fiat currencies, the word fiat, I believe it means uh, just to be. It's just there. It's just created. There's nothing backing it. It's willed into existence. Um, But what fiat currency means simply is that it's just paper. And uh, paper is all about confidence. And we talked about Zimbabwe, you know, in the first hour, and and there was total lack of confidence in the currency. And it it took a billion dollars, Zimbabwe dollars anyway, uh, to buy a loaf of bread. I guess people had confidence that a billion dollars was worth a loaf of bread, but then it became a trillion dollars. So, you know, the confidence is lost very, very quickly in currencies. But, you know, the dollar has a big problem right now. A, we're printing it into oblivion and we'll continue to do it. Forget what the Federal Reserve says and they're going to quantitative tightening and all that garbage. Not happening. It's not happening because of debt. I mean, we have a deficit, a trillion and a half dollar deficit that's going to continue to rise. And certainly if interest rates stay high or our interest on our debt is just going to continue to go up. And we're going to issue more debt to pay the interest. De-dollarization means the world doesn't want our dollars or our treasury bonds. And not only won't buy it, we'll probably sell what they do have. So who's going to be the buyer of last resort? The Federal Reserve. Where do they get the money to buy it? They print it. So we got a, a perfect storm against the dollar. And there's two issues that the country is dealing with now, you know, at least you want to talk about crises or whatever. Uh, it's the banking crisis where, where where banks are in trouble, especially smaller and regional banking. And by the way, it's having a real, real effect on, on credit availability, which I'll talk about in a second. So you have people concerned about, can I get my money out of an institution? Is it going to go bankrupt? Is FDIC going to go bankrupt? Am I going to get, if I have 500000 in a bank, uh, and it's only insured for 250 am I going to see the other 250 or should I take the other 250 and put it in another bank? Should I go from a small bank to a big bank? Well, going from a small bank to a big bank is uh, the analogy of the three little pigs I use. You're going to go from a house of straw to a house of sticks. And you got uh, countries stitching the dollar, Saudi Arabia trading oil and other than dollars, Brazil announcing that they're going to trade with China and not use dollars. You got more and more countries joining the BRICS. Uh, you have um, political instability in the country. We haven't even talked about the arraignment in, uh, of Donald Trump this past week and on, on the sham charges that, you know, is, is just banana republic stuff. It, uh, a dollar crisis is rapidly unfolding here, which which means that I think this hyperinflation thing may not be 10 years out. Rabbit, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Kiyosaki uh, um, he's the guy who wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, very well known. 
financial writer. Um, he has a podcast and radio show. Uh, this guy's not some quack out there. He's very wealthy, has lots of businesses, lots of real estate. He's convinced that it's over for the dollar and that people need to uh, rapidly take steps to protect the money they currently have in the banks. All right. Look him up on YouTube, Robert Kiyosaki, K-I-Y-O-S-A-K-I, or just look up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you'll find all the stuff. But, you know, I'm listening to this guy uh, regularly now, and he likes to take out paper money out of his pocket and hold it up and said, this is toilet paper. And then he holds up a gold or silver coin and said, this is money. And he believes that you need to get out of the dollar now, not 10 years from now. And he's, and, and he's quite adamant about it. Um, and he thinks that, you know, this, this hyperinflation is not that far out. Now, what happens if we lose the reserve currency status? Now, I don't expect that this is going to happen overnight. The dollar is not going to become, you know, a pariah overnight. I don't think so. But it's happening more rapidly. Um, Former Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs for the U.S. Department of the Treasury, Monica Crowley, says that if the dollar loses its status, we would rapidly face catastrophic consequences and the implosion of our economic system. That sounds serious. (laughs) A catastrophe and the implosion of our economic financial system. Um, If oil begins to be traded in units other than the petrodollar, we face an almost immediate crisis. According to Crowley, if that were to end, that would mean the end of the U.S. dollar. Emphasizing that the U.S. dollar, having the world's reserve currency status, quote, has been a real privilege, she expressed. We've abused the privilege by wholly reckless monetary and fiscal policy for so many years, certainly over the past couple of years, which has really devalued the dollar. On top of that, now you do have this perfect storm of Biden's weakness, his war on American domestic energy production, the Ukraine war. Because of all these things, we've got America's enemies led by China forming a new economic bloc. If that were to happen, and it's happening, uh, there would be a complete implosion of the global economic system, but certainly the American economic system. And if that were to happen, you'd be looking at sky-high inflation just raging Weimar Republic kind of inflation. We talked about the Weimar Republic last week. So here's a person who wasn't an official with the Treasury Department, now a commentator on the news, uh, mentioning that word Weimar Republic kind of inflation if we were to lose the reserve currency status. And she goes on to say, if you think inflation is bad right now, just wait. But more importantly, we lose our economic dominance, but we also lose our superpower status. And the reason why we are a superpower and have been a superpower has been the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. And it seems that a good portion of the world is fed up with the U.S. being the dominant player on the world stage. Uh, So... uh, Serious stuff happening here in our country. Next thing, the next crisis that we're going to be dealing with uh, shortly 
uh, is the debt ceiling showdown. As you know, we we hit the debt ceiling a few months ago. We can't borrow money. But we've been moving the pieces around, uh, moving cash from uh, pension plans that the government runs and probably the Social Security Trust Fund and being able to pay our our, our budget uh, with uh, smoke and mirrors. But we're going to be hitting the wall in either late May or June where we can't borrow from Peter to pay Paul. And what happens at that point? Well, we've had, I think, 110 times uh, we've raised the debt ceiling over the years. Uh, But this time may be different. Because we have the Freedom Caucus Republicans in the House that are adamant that we're not going to raise the debt ceiling unless we get austerity measures. Will we put some kind of a, a correction on the way we spend money and borrow money and print money? And you say, well, how could 15 or 20 uh, Republicans prevent the debt ceiling? Well, because they were, if you remember the, the, the controversy in trying to get McCarthy as Speaker of the House, right? How many votes there were? And finally, the Freedom Caucus decided to vote for him, but under, under a tight leash. And part of the agreement is that they could have a vote to replace the Speaker at any time. And if he goes against them on a debt ceiling, that's exactly what they'll do. They're throwing Congress into turmoil. So it's very interesting to see how this is going to play itself out. It's not, you know, we've always come to, to we've always come right to the line. You know, you remember in, uh, what was it, 2011, when uh, Standard & Poor's and Moody's lowered uh, the U.S. Uh, credit rating from AAA to AA+. It's still AA+. You know, we never went back to AAA. And that was over a debt ceiling crisis. This time may be more severe. And what would happen if we cross that line and the debt ceiling isn't raised? Well, the government stops functioning in a lot of different ways. And would you get your Social Security check? Yes, I believe you would. Would the military still function? Yes, yes, it would. But all the things, discretionary spending, um, that's not national security related, would stop. All the national parks would close, all the monuments, uh, all unnecessary um, uh, uh, government employees would be put on furlough. But uh, House Democrats and uh, Joe Biden have pledged no reductions for Social Security or Medicare, no cuts to future spending, uh, no cuts to discretionary expenditures. Um, So, you know, they they dug their heels in, and and so have the Republicans. Uh, 2021 bipartisan. Is there anything bipartisan in this country anymore? I, I don't know. That's an oxymoron, I guess. Uh, The Bipartisan Policy Center analysis found that if the Treasury ran out of cash, it wouldn't be able to meet about 40% of its payments due due in several weeks that followed. It says here retirees likely wouldn't receive Social Security checks, and members of the U.S. military and federal employees ranging from postal carriers to air traffic controllers may not get paid. Food assistance payments and checks for government and veterans' pensions could halt. 
Um, so it's pretty serious stuff. Uh, what's the use of having this debt ceiling anyway? I, I, I understand why it was put in. It was put in to give some kind of discipline to government. But if it's going to be raised every time we hit it, what good is it? Now, uh, people are pulling money out of bank accounts like Matt. Uh, many, I said, I'm seeing all my clients for tax season. And a good number of them have said they walked into the bank and pulled out $10,000 cash, $15,000 cash. Many people are, are moving their money to different banks, afraid that the bank they're in could go under. Uh, the problem we have in a, in a lot of uh, midsize and regional banks is, is that people are pulling out the amount over FDIC insurance because Janet Yellen in Congress recently said that only too big to fail banks would have insurance probably over and above the 250000 um, and Janet Yellen kicked this off. I mean, she was in front of Congress, and everybody's quoting this because it is it is really earth-shattering. Um, you know, days after the FDIC and the, and the Treasury and the Fed decided to bail out all deposits in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, regardless of the $250,000 limit uh, to prevent what was an out-of-control bank run, and... and she came out a couple of days later and she was asked by, by Senator Lankford, what about community banks and regional banks in Oklahoma, where I'm from? Would you insure bank deposits over 250 And she said no. That it would be up to her. It helped to be a supermajority of, of the FDIC and, of course, the President of the United States to decide if a bank is too big to fail uh, and we should insure deposits over the FDIC amount. So what she in essence said is we're going to pick winners and losers. And, you know, if you're in a Midwest bank somewhere and you're not in, in Bank of America, well, you better not have more than 250000 there. Well, you don't have to tell me twice. If I'm a small businessman in the... Uh, uh, you know, in, in the Midwest, and I, I've been dealing with the same bank, and I know the bank president, and he dealt with my dad, or I was a farmer, um, you know, and I have, you know, $3 million in that bank. I got to get it out. That's what Yellen was saying. And she's causing a run on these banks. And it's going unabated. Not only that, we have a secondary run on banks where people are starting to say, wait a second, I don't care what bank I'm in. It could possibly fail on me. Maybe I get a delay getting my money. If I have over 250000 it may not be insured. I have to worry about that. But I also have to worry about the fact that they're paying me a half of 1%. And I could buy a one-year Treasury bill for 5%. Or I could buy a U.S. Treasury money market fund. I could put my money in there. And I don't have to worry about failure of the institution. And I can get eight times the return. So the assets in money market accounts are soaring by the hundreds of billions of dollars the last few weeks as people, A, don't want to be in the banking system and says, hey, I might as well get a better return and have more safety in it. Now, I want to play again uh, what Janet Yellen said because she hasn't corrected this. 
And it's really important if you're listening to this this broadcast and or podcast and, and you have money over and above the insurance limit in a bank that's not one of the top six. What are the two big to fail banks? Well, Bank of America, uh, Chase, um, Wells Fargo, uh, PNC Bank, Citibank, um, Goldman Sachs Bank, um, you know, any of these banks that have a stadium name for them. For years I've been telling you, don't have your life savings in a bank that has a stadium named after it. Uh, but Janet Yellen basically contradicted my advice. I say go to community banks where they don't have derivatives. But she says go to uh, the big banks. So I'm going to play again for her this testimony. Now, this, this came out shortly after SVB failed. And again, there's a run on these small banks. A lot of this money's winding up in bigger banks or, or better yet, in money market funds. And it's all because of this exchange. Exits in every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of their size, being fully insured now. Are they fully recovered? Every bank, every community bank in Oklahoma, regardless of the size of the deposit, will they get the same treatment that SVBP just got or Signature Bank just got? A bank only gets that treatment if a majority of the FDIC board, a supermajority, a supermajority of the Fed board and I, in consultation with the president, determine that the failure to protect uninsured depositors would create systemic risk and significant economic and financial consequences. So, what is and your we plan? Make that determination. Right. right. So, so what is your bank. plan to keep? large depositors from moving their funds out of community banks into the big banks. We have seen the mergers of banks over the past decade. I'm concerned you're about to accelerate that by encouraging anyone who has a large deposit in a community bank to say, we're not going to make you whole, but if you go to one of our preferred banks, we will make you whole at that point. Um, look, I mean... We're that's certainly not something that we're encouraging. That is happening right now. That is happening because depositors are concerned about the bank failures that have happened and whether or not other banks could also um, no, it, it, fail. It's happening and because it's, you're fully insured no matter what the amount is. If you're in a big bank, you're not fully insured if you're in a community bank. Well, you're not fully insured. And you you they, were in signature, they, and it was they, it just barely met that threshold. You were in signature. Well, we felt that there was a serious risk of contagion that could have brought down and triggered runs on many banks, um, and that something, given that our judgment is that the banking system overall is safe and sound. Um, Depositors should have confidence in the system. All right, so there you have it. Uh, she te- she's telling you if you don't have, if you have more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a, a a bank that's not too big to fail, you better get it out now. 
And she has not corrected herself since then. And sure enough, people are following her advice. At least smart people are and taking it out. And it's going into money market funds. It's going into big banks. And now we have a credit crunch. Well, if banks are losing their deposits, they're not going to lend out money they don't have, right? And we're starting to see it now. Loan demand has collapsed. And credit standards have tightened um, where there's no new credit hitting broad swaths of the economy right now. And the economy needs credit to grow. It needs credit to survive. So what's happening is banks now are not lending money out. A, they're losing their deposits, so they they can't lend out money they don't have. Uh, uh, And uh, they're tightening standards as the economy, you know, starts getting tougher. And you have to understand that 70% of growth, economic growth, comes from mostly credit funding spending. You know, I mean, the world, the country needs credit for everything. And banks with less than $250 billion in assets are responsible for almost 50% of U.S. commercial and industrial lending. 60% of residential real estate. 80% of commercial real estate lending and 45% of consumer lending. So now what we're starting to see is we're starting to see people not being able to get credit. And that's a big problem. All the economic numbers that we're starting to see now are plunging rapidly. I mean, there's no question that if we're not in a recession now, we will be very shortly. And I don't think it's going to be a short-lived recession. And I don't think it's going to be a shallow recession. I think it's going to be a very, very deep recession. Uh, and maybe a multi-year recession. Because I don't see how we get out of it. What is the Fed going to do? Bring interest rates down to zero again? You know, the Federal Reserve is really between a rock and a hard place. Uh, they, 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 they have choices that they have to make, and they're very difficult choices. Uh, do we rescue the, the financial system and the banks and let inflation run rapid or hyper? Uh, or do we battle inflation and, and allow the banks to collapse by keep raising interest rates? Um it's 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 a it's a rock and a hard place, and there's there's no move that the Fed can make that's not a disaster, either through hyperinflation or through economic collapse. So what's the way out? What happens? The economy starts to contract into a deep recession. Unemployment starts going up. We start seeing more and more bankruptcies. We're seeing that already. Uh, the average family, uh, over 60% is paycheck to paycheck. What happens when that paycheck disappears? Pretty, pretty scary stuff. And the Fed does not have the tools uh, to deal with it. All right, let's take a short break. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about, uh, the United States, um, falling into banana Republic status, uh, as a past president and leading candidate for president right now, uh, is charged with 34 felonies and an obvious um, uh, political persecution, uh, the things that happen uh, in third world countries, banana republics. That'll be right after the break. Don't go away. 
Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top-quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or planning to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to move Advisory Group. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. If you miss any of our program, no problem at all. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com where our Show website will have the podcast of the program in its entirety right after the program is over. Uh, just go there and uh, listen to the program at your leisure. Share the program. Put a link up uh, on your social media. Share it with friends and family, anybody you think who could benefit by it. We are going to guide you through these crazy times, and uh, we have been doing that for 23 years. But with the next few months, the rest of this year, um, uh, I can't even go past there. Uh, we're going to be living through times that uh, are unprecedented. Uh, and we're going to report it to you here on this program. We're going to give you the best advice on what to do uh, because a lot of people are going to be bewildered on what to do. Um, and uh, we're just, you know, Paul and I always talk about, you know, there's just so much stuff that happens in one week. Uh, you know, what are we going to be talking about next week? Uh, and, uh, so much going on politically, uh, economically, uh, geopolitically, uh, culturally. Uh, we talk about it all here on The Financial Physician. And 
this last half hour is going to we're going to try to squeeze in as much of this as we can. But this past week, history was made as a uh, former president of the United States uh, was uh, indicted and arraigned in court in New York in what was really a, uh, a clown show. Um, uh, everybody was hoping, or at least the Democrats were, that this indictment would show uh, stuff that we didn't know about. And it's just a regurgitation of uh, hush money paid on a supposed affair with some porn star or a one-night stand or something like that. Uh, that was paid in 2016, and uh, somehow it's been uh, brought up to a, a federal felony that uh, this New York uh, Soros-funded— Oh, by the way, if you say Soros-funded DA, uh, you're charged with anti-Semitism, right? That, that's what it is. You're a racist. You're an anti-Semite because George Soros is Jewish. Uh, you see, you know what George Soros has been doing? People, people don't know this. He's been funding— Attorney generals in cities around the country with millions of dollars and these attorney generals come in and just like crime run rampant, let everybody out of jail. Uh, This guy Bragg in New York City, uh, he's 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 lowered felony charges to misdemeanors and like thousands of violent crimes. But meanwhile, he takes this misdemeanor and elevates it to a federal felony uh, for paying hush money. You don't think this is obviously political? So Trump, you know, you had the whole thing of him going to New York and you watched the the motorcade go through the city. It was kind of like a O.J. Simpson rerun. Uh, and they were hoping to get handcuffs on him and mugshot. None of that happened. Uh, but this is just really outrageous and it, it's embarrassing. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, it's over the top and America's really, we just became, you know, a banana. This is what they do in banana republics. This is what they do in totalitarian regimes. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is being indicted only because he's the political opponent of the current regime in power, Period. These are the same tactics that were used in uh, Franco's Spain, if you remember. Hitler's Germany. Mussolini's Italy. Stalin's Russia. Uh, And this is what happens in leftist regimes. I mean, a Democratic Party no longer is a Democratic Party. It's been stolen away by far left Marxists. This is a revolution that's going on right now, people. This is a revolution. This is what happens in revolutions. And it's been years in the making. It's not something new. The left took over the mainstream education system in this country and began indoctrinating our kids years ago. The left... uh, took over the mainstream media. And then they began programming us not to uh, know the truth. Um, They've taken over local offices. They've taken over the education boards. And as I said before... Uh, Soros and people like him dump millions into uh, prosecutors all around the country. And they brag about it. And the whole idea is to sow chaos. 
How do we allow a guy like George Soros, who hates America and his goal before he dies is to destroy America, how do we allow him to give millions of dollars to these crazy left-wing prosecutors that let criminals out on the street? You know how many people told me that I've seen in taxis and that they wouldn't go to New York City for anything or Philadelphia? They used to love to go to Broadway and everything else. Wouldn't even go through that tunnel. And how many people are, are leaving these cities? It's like the old movie. Paul, you remember the movie Escape from New York? <laughs> well, that's what's happening now. We're all escaping from New York, from Philadelphia, from Chicago. Oh, by the way. Did you see the election this week in Chicago for the new mayor? After getting rid of Lori Lightfoot, they elect a person who's far more progressive than she is. These people are nuts. These people are nuts. Anyway. So uh, we have a takeover going on of the country and by these crazy leftists. Uh, the media now has become masters of propaganda. Uh, I, I don't watch news anymore. I mean, it's, it's why, why? You know they're lying to you. And it's time we all woke up and, and understood what's going on here. The nation that we loved, that had values, that, that, that was good in every way. Well, not every way, but our economy was good. Uh, Our children had good futures. Dollar was strong. Our military was strong. And uh, it no longer exists, that nation. It exists in name only. And we've uh, been overtaken by a shadow government who was not even legitimately elected. And that's the first thing that you do in a revolution. You, 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 You compromise the electoral system. So only your people get elected. A recent poll shows 67% of Americans uh, don't want Joe Biden to be president for another term. That must ensure that he's probably going to be reelected by 20 points. (laughs) But he got 81 million votes, right? The guy doesn't even do a press conference, doesn't answer a question. So uh, we have a revolution going on, and you better understand it. And these people will stop at nothing. The law means nothing. When you could weaponize the justice system to go after not only a past president of the United States, but the front runner of the party that's opposite your party, uh, you've plunged into banana republic status. Now, even Democrats are coming out and saying that this is ridiculous, this whole thing. And it is backfiring. Trump raised $10 million in a week. Um, A poll came out. He gained 10 points on Biden if they go head to head. And some are saying, well, the whole strategy here is to get Donald Trump the nomination with the sympathy vote. uh, And that there's no way that Trump can be reelected. That they rather run against him than DeSantis. Now, uh, Alan Dershowitz, not a Republican, a Democrat, uh, has been very vocal about this, saying there's no part of the case that it's not weak. 
he says, uh, you know, and, and no matter how many counts you do, there are 34 bad counts. It's all the same thing, just repeated 34 times. That's what they do. He said that 34 bad counts do not create a single good count. And he goes on to say that it's very dangerous if district attorneys can in- indict their own political enemies. He goes, uh, it, it endangers the rule of law for all Americans. Today it's Trump, tomorrow it's a Democrat, the day after tomorrow it's your Uncle Charlie or your niece or your nephew. In 60 years of practice, this is the worst case of prosecutorial abuse I've ever seen. What's really unprecedented is not the indictment of a past president, but the indictment of a potential future president who was running against the head of the party of the man who indicted him. But despite all this weakness... Dershowitz says that Trump will probably be convicted because he can't get a fair trial in New York City. Because it's not about the law. It's about political. It's about political persecution. Now, there's no way this wouldn't be reversed on appeal. Trump is never going to jail or anything like that. It's not going to happen. But just think of the timing. You know when he'll go to trial? Next July, right in the middle of the primary season, just before the election. Meanwhile, federal and and, and previous uh, DAs decided not to do anything with this case. And now all of a sudden this guy, Alvin Bragg, uh, doing Soros' will. How is it that this foreigner who hates America is able to interfere in our elections? And this is is election interference uh, to the nth degree. So they trotted him out in New York. He pleaded not guilty. Um, then he went home and he gave a, a speech at Mar-a-Lago defending himself. And two things happened during his speech. First of all, ABC News, who at least was showing the speech, do you see that they blurred out the text where you could donate to Trump? You couldn't see it. It texts whatever the number is to find out about Trump campaign and, you know, donate money to it. They they blurred it out. Is that not election interference? You see the media in this country that they, they're nothing but propagandists for the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, Joe Biden gave a speech and there is the, 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 the text number right there to donate to him. How is this not election interference? But at least they played. The speech. All right. Now, on MSNBC, uh, what's her name? Maydow, Rachel Maydow. What a, what a Trump derangement syndrome situation she has, right? Uh, she said that they're not going to broadcast it because who wants to hear more of Trump's lies? Listen to this. Remarks tonight um, from his home in Florida. As far as we can tell, and what we were prepared for here is that this is basically a campaign speech in which he is repeating his same lies and allegations against his perceived enemies. It is just getting started. Um, so far, he's just giving his normal list of grievances. We don't consider that necessarily newsworthy, and there's a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. So uh, our deal with you is that we will monitor these remarks. If he does say anything newsworthy, we will turn them around and report on that right away. But uh, for now, just know that it's happening and we're not taking it. <laughs> this is a news organization, right? Uh, categorizing 
What he hasn't even said yet as lies. Unbelievable. Is that not election interference, not broadcasting the lead candidate? This is not news. He was just indicted and arraigned that morning. And the past president and number one candidate to win election again is defending himself on a speech. And it's not newsworthy. It's just lies. Um, and we're not going to report it. Oh, this is unbelievable. Like I said, stuff that you never, ever thought would happen 10 years ago. We're happening. Uh, now, you know, they're not content with going after Donald Trump, the past president of the United States, and maybe the future one as well. They're going after the Supreme Court. Now they're going after Clarence Thomas, all right, who's been a thorn in their side for a long, long time. And uh, their latest uh, scheme it was to demand that Justice Clarence Thomas be immediately impeached for what can only be summarized as having rich friends. Apparently, one of his best friends is a millionaire or billionaire, whatever. He's a billionaire mega donor. Uh, he's known him for 20 years, and he's gone on trips with him. So, in essence, that is uh, somehow against the law. His failure to report the flights appears to violate the law passed after Watergate that requires justices, judges, members of Congress, and federal officials to disclose most gifts. Um, two ethics law experts said, yeah, who are these two law expert law experts? Uh, uh, I wonder if they're Democrat. Uh, he also uh, should have disclosed his trips on the yacht, which experts said. Experts, again. Um. So, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez demanded that the justice be impeached. That his actions evidence an almost, almost cartoonish level of corruption. Sheldon Whitehouse, senator from Rhode Island, Democrat, who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee's panel on federal courts, called for an independent investigation of the justice. Unbelievable. Uh, It's considered hospitality from friends and is an exemption in the rule, in the law from that. Uh, And, you know, he came out and stated that this is a friend of mine, known it for 20 years. This is ridiculous. Um, As friends do, we have joined them on a number of family trips during the more than quarter of a century we've known them. Uh, Early in my tenure at the court, I saw guidance from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable. And it says right in there. um, um, But, 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 no, the left said, no, the rules have changed. Uh, Well, they just changed. (laughs) They just changed last month uh, saying uh, things like this need to be reported. And he goes, of course, it's my intention to follow this guidance in the future now that it changed, but it wasn't that way in the past. Uh, So that's kind of going away. Uh, But why now? I mean, they've known about this for years. So why is it coming out now? Again, it's attack on... Everybody that is not far left, and it's in their way. And this is scary stuff. 
They're attacking your children. They're attacking uh, this whole crazy gender stuff that's just in your face every single day. Did you see, uh, what's her name? Grimes is her name. She, she was a champion NCAA swimmer and lost to this, this transgender guy, Leah Thomas, in the NCAAs. Uh, and she's devastated by it. You know, the, she had no chance against this guy, right? And she, she's been giving speeches about it uh, on campuses around the country. And uh, in the campus on the West Coast, she was attacked. She was punched by a man in a dress, by the way. Of course, nobody's been arrested. I mean, that's how crazy these people are. You want to talk about domestic terrorists? It's these trans people, the most crazy nuts that you've ever seen. Violent? Are you kidding me? Um, but it, but it's it's craziness that won't end. Uh, recently, a top Department of Defense official offered testimony to Congress about the armed services must be a safe place in which each and every member feels validated and affirmed on his or her journey of self-awareness and discovery. So this, this, this training video from the Navy came out. Did you see this, Paul? You see this training video that, about the Navy about pronouns, okay? So they got, you know, one guy sitting there with a, you know, he's got a rainbow shirt on and he's with another girl. And this is what they're trying to teach our, 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 our recruits and, and our Navy personnel. And this is in all branches right now. Hi, my name is Johnny and I use he, him pronouns. Hi, and I'm Kanji and I use she, her pronouns. And we're here to talk about pronouns. What is a pronoun? A pronoun is how we identify ourselves apart from our name. And it's also how people refer to us in conversations. Using the right pronouns is a really simple way to affirm someone's identity. It is a signal of acceptance and respect. If it's a signal of acceptance and respect, how do we go about creating a safe space for everybody? That's a good question. A really good way to do that is to use inclusive language. Instead of saying something like, hey, guys, you can say, hey, everyone, or hey, team. Yeah, and now that you say that, another way that we could show that we're allies and that we accept everybody is to maybe include our pronouns in our emails or, like we just did, introduce ourselves using our pronouns. But what would I do if I uh, misgender someone? I think the first thing to recognize is that it's not the end of the world. You correct yourself and move on or you accept the correction and move on. The most important thing I can tell you is do not put the burden of making you feel good about your mistake on the person that you just misgendered. Oh, thank you for telling me that. Yeah, and another tip... Uh, for you to remember their uh, pronoun next time, it's in your mind. Kind of go through a progression of three good things about the person using their pronoun. So let's say the person chooses to use they, then you will in your mind go, they have a nice shirt. They have a nice smile. They are really smart. So that kind of sticks in your brain. That is so helpful. Um, I want to know, what would I do if... I want to know someone's gender identity or pronouns. The most important thing is do not pressure anybody into giving you their pronouns. Some people may be going through the process of discovery and they are not ready yet to tell you what their pronouns are, and that's okay. So I should just lead with my pronouns and they may follow or not, and if they don't, then I can just continue to use gender-neutral language. Yes, exactly. 
Just to share something with you that happened uh, the other day at a cookout I was at, we were uh, talking about pronouns, and somebody was disagreeing with how different people um, see themselves as different pronouns, and... Enough of that. This is not some corporation's training video. This is the United States Navy. This is what they're training them. insanity. I want my pronoun to be the omnipotent Lou. The all-knowing. Ridiculous. All of a sudden, years of human being history, and now we got to talk about pronouns. I'm a she today. It's unbelievable. They need a safe space. Can you imagine? How about you older listeners to this program. Maybe you fought in the Korean War, the Vietnam War, or even the Iraqi War. Can you imagine this? How would you have treated somebody uh, that came up to you and said, I want to be called she? Tell me how you would have handled that person on a ship, a shipmate. Or, 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 or better yet, showed up wearing women's clothing. Uh, that's when a man was a man, right? Uh, nowadays, a man could be anything, right? But I'm serious. I mean, this is the United States military. I don't care about your damn pronouns. I care about your ability to kill the enemy. If you have a pronoun problem, you shouldn't be in the military. Can you imagine you're in basic training and a drill instructor has to be careful about what he calls you? used to call you maggot. Is it a female maggot or is it a male maggot? That's not my pronoun. Because magnet could be male or female and, you know, you're not really being, you're misgendering me. Could you imagine that? <laughs> could you imagine a drill instructor in the, what was it, full metal jacket? You remember that guy? <laughs> he was great. I think he played drill the uh, drill instructor in almost every war movie, that same guy. He was great. I forgot his name. He recently died. He was an actual drill sergeant. Was he really? He was a re- oh, yeah. really? Well, no wonder why, because he sounds just like it. That guy would scare the hell out of me, you know. Uh, you know, you do something wrong, get down and give me 50 push-ups, and he'd call you Shirley or something like that, right? Now, you can't say that. Oh, no, he misgendered me. He didn't call me by my proper pronoun. Or you're going into battle, and you tell them... All right, guys, storm the beach. Oh, you misgendered me. <laughs> I'm really, I need a safe space. Yeah, get me off this U-boat before the door opens and I got shit to that. But, you know, hey, I need a safe space right now. You just misgendered me. It's insanity. This is absolute insanity, what we're living through now. And it's such a minority of people, but it's got to be shoved in your face. Oh, and by the way, the military, nobody wants to join the military anymore. You wonder why? And now they're allowing people uh, with higher fat body mass uh, to join the military. In other words, obese Americans because they can't get anybody. It's an insane world we're living in. Ah, if you missed any of our show, uh, go to thefinancialphysician.com. Right after the show is over, <coughs> the podcast of the full two-hour program is available. Appreciate you sharing it. Uh, love your emails. Lou at the com. 
Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number is 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. If you're listening live, have a wonderful Easter. And uh, just remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Don't go away. <laughs>